And now let's read this together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and of all things, visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of life, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men, for our salvation, who, I'm sorry, for our salvation, came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, and I believe one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. pray with me. Uh, Lord, thank you for all these people, all these faces that I love out here, and I thank you for your presence here with us today, and I pray that, um, that you would fill us up and that your spirit would come right now and bring life and revelation and just a quickening in our hearts um, that wakes us up to the beauty of who you are. In Christ's name, amen. So, um, I have been noticing this season people's beautiful inclination to give. And I don't mean just gifts off a list. I mean, there are some people that you'll get in trouble if you don't get gifts for. Uh, But I'm talking about the gifts that just surprise you. Um, Even this morning, I had people walk up to me and surprise me uh, with gifts that weren't necessarily on a list. They weren't obligatory or perfunctory. Um, They just came out of people's hearts, Um, not because they have to, but because they want to. Barry Brown surprised me uh, the other other week, walked up to me with a cool candle that he had made and some lovely old sheet music. No reason. Emma Strang uh, made homemade tortillas for our last alpha. You know, she, she has trouble walking, but she still made these tortillas for us. They were great. 
A, a man from our community gave a donation to cover all the remaining Mexican children who needed to be sponsored, even more than we needed. Peggy Gordon shows up for every possible opportunity to serve our community. No matter how dirty or difficult, she's there. Before me, usually. Susan Hyatt insists on giving me leftovers after every board meeting. I used to fight it, but then I realized, hey, this is my love language. Uh, food is my love language, and so I, I just don't fight it anymore. The elder board has made some generous decisions to help me with my needs recently. The youth recently went out and took blessing bags to homeless, and we're excited about it. I could list lots of examples. I could spend the whole sermon talking about times that I've seen this inclination to give. It's beautiful. It touches my heart. In fact, um, recently we were praying for uh, Leslie Galloway who just had her, a lung transplant. I went to Dave and Leslie's house on the six-month anniversary of her lung transplant. Um, right now she's at, keep praying for them because she's in the hospital with pneumonia, as Peter mentioned. But um, while I was there, I was thinking about how Leslie has, her quality of life has been so diminished for quite a long time that I thought, I wonder what she's excited to do now that she's getting her life back a little bit. She's regaining strength and recovering. And so I said, Leslie, what are you excited to do and be and try in 2019? And um, if you know Leslie, she's got this real sweetness about her and she just paused and said, well, I'm thinking of ways to give back. And, and I said, with Grinch-like intensity, I said, Leslie, maybe now's a time for you to just receive. And, but she's like, no, no. And she wants to give. And that, that giving, uh, I mean, even as we listen to that song, and I know it's just a pretend little story about the drummer boy, but I still... If I'm alone in my car and that comes on, a lot of songs, you know, kind of get old to me around Christmas. But this song, let me tell you, I will tear up so fast. And, and didn't Liam uh, sell it as the drummer boy? I was, was like, yeah, that was awesome. But the drummer boy, the story of it is giving. Just like, oh, I, I have no gift to, to, to give, that's, to bring that's fit to give a king. And... I always think, oh, me neither. Um, I, I want to have a gift to give. I want to have something to offer. And this desire to give and this inclination and um, action that people take to give, um, where do, do you ever stop and think, where's that come from? Is it because I'm such a great person that I love to give? I don't think that's it. Um, <clears throat> we have this instinct um, <clears throat> Uh, for survival of the fittest, if we've got that instinct, why would we want to give? Why not just hoard and hold on to things? Sometimes we can forget that every time that we are moved to give, it's because of God's heart spilling out of us. Just a little bit of God comes through because God is the consummate giver. God is the one who, he, he can't help but give. He, he so loved the world that he, yeah, yeah, just seeing if you're awake out there. Um, he so loved the world that he gave, gave the best that he had. In fact, today we're going to look at the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 12. It's a beautiful, simple chapter, uh, and it talks about many gifts that God has given us, spiritual gifts of all kinds. But really, um, in addition to the obvious theme of giving in this chapter, there's also this underlying, this pervasive theme of oneness that is ribboned throughout the chapter. I had never noticed it before, but, but one, the word one, is given 17 times in this chapter. So there's this little blend of giving and oneness, giving and oneness all throughout. In fact, really what I'd love to do for you today is just paint you a picture um, of something you probably already know, but something beautiful, almost like looking through a little photo album and going, oh, look at this. Do you remember this? Do you remember how beautiful this trip was when we went to see this? Or do you remember this sunset? Do you remember how beautiful this is? That's what I'm really trying to do today, is paint you a picture of, um, of giving and oneness and remind you 
how beautiful that is. We're in a world, as Peter even referenced um, in, when he was speaking today, we're in a world that's longing for oneness. In fact, um, that was Jesus' longest prayer in the Bible, longest recorded prayer in John 17, when um, he prayed to, the, to his father and asked his father for a gift, and here's what he said. He said, um, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's us, by the way. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. So, um, so I hope you enjoy this picture that I'm trying to paint of just giving and oneness. It's pretty simple, but it's sweet and beautiful, and I hope you take it in. When I've read uh, 1 Corinthians 12 in the past, a lot of times I just sort of skim over into the, the, the meat of the, of the passage, and I skim right past the first verse. The first verse, though, this time happened to catch my attention. It says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Or some versions will say, I don't want you to be ignorant. Um... <laughs> Actually, that made me laugh because I thought that'd be a great thing to have on a mug, you know? <laughs> um, uh, just a verse that you don't see on mugs. Um, I'd like you not to be ignorant. Um, I think it's got a ring to it. Um, but when you think about it, Paul is writing this, and he wrote about so many topics, so many. I mean, walk through Romans. He talks about all these. Uh, one, I heard one person say that Romans is like the Himalayas of the New Testament. You know, it's just, just all these powerful topics that he dives into. Uh, but for some reason, he says, of all these topics, the one that I don't want you to be ignorant about is spiritual gifts. Why? Why do you think that would matter? And this is actually a real question. Why do you think it would matter um, if we were ignorant about spiritual gifts? That's your part, your part. Because <laughs> we'd be insecure. Yeah, we'd be insecure. Um, Threatened by other people's gifts. Ah, that's a good one. Almost like you were in staff meeting and already knew some of what I was going to say. <laughs> well, there's lots of reasons why. I think we'll, maybe as we walk through this, we'll see some reasons, but that's definitely one of the reasons. Um, and, you know, since we're at Christmas time, and this is a perfect timing for, for a talk on gifts, um, I was thinking about how God feels and how he would feel about giving gifts and how I've felt about giving gifts sometimes. I don't know if you've ever landed on the perfect gift for someone and you know it. And a little, a little light goes off and there's a little bell that goes off, ding, 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 ding. Oh, this person is going to love this. Maybe you got something for your son or your daughter and you know that they don't expect it or they're not ready for it, but that they will just be blown away. And along with that, there comes sort of an impatience and an excitement to be like, I can't wait for them to open my gift so I can see their reaction. Um, so imagine how God feels, how excited he would be um, to see us enjoy and use and open our gifts from him. In James, it says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. So when you get a good gift, that's the originator, that's where it's from. One of the ways to understand things um, in the scripture is to go back to the first mention of, of a word or a concept, and the first mention of spiritual gifts in the New Testament is in Romans 1, where, uh, where Paul writes, for I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow in the Lord. So do you see the purpose here of, like, what if that were the purpose of all the spiritual gifts? What do you see is the purpose there in that verse? Yeah, really simple, right there flashed in front of you. Um, to help, what if that were the purpose of every spiritual gift is to help the other person grow strong in the Lord? Um, I think 
this is probably true. We see this reiterated in, in 1 Corinthians 14, where Paul elaborates further when he's talking more about spiritual gifts. He writes, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So, um, I think that this one purpose for spiritual gifts is to strengthen each other. And those other words in this last passage, upbuild and encourage and comfort, um, I think those all would fall under the umbrella of strengthening. And God knows, I mean, just from day to day, God knows how we need to be strengthened. We need to be encouraged. We need to be built up because life has a way of smacking us down. And so there are ways that, you know, all the people that you see today, even though they look really good and kind of nice today, dressed up, did their hair, showered, they look pretty good. Um, in a lot of ways, whether you know it or not, if you get to know somebody's story, you're going to find out, yeah, they need to be strengthened. I, I might, maybe I have something that could build you up. Maybe I have something that would strengthen you. Um, we all need it. And so this is part of the importance of, um, of the gifts. Um, God knowing that if we don't use these gifts, we're not strengthening each other. And God also knows um, that it's a pleasure to have something that's worth giving. It's a pleasure when you feel like, wow, I really, I got to help. I got to give. I got to share something that mattered. Uh, Paul recalls Jesus' words in Acts. He says, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So there's something beautiful about having something worth giving, but also the joy of, of being able to give. And here's the brilliance, the real brilliance of all the Holy Spirit's gifts. I think it's a little funny because we have a, we have a, a negative connotation to the idea of re-gifting. But really, the brilliance of the Holy Spirit's gifts are that all of them are intended to be re-gifts. They're all intended to be passed on. They're not lesser pathetic gifts that we just want to get out of our closet. Um, they're, they're gifts that are meant to give to others. I used to lead a poetry reading in uh, Chicago when I lived there, and there was a, a really dramatic poet who would come out with these little nuggets, and I wish I could do justice to the way he would do this, but he would say, we don't give to get. We get to give. And um, I mean, he was great. He was, he was really dramatic. Um, I got a little splinter of that. But, um, and then I read something by pa Pablo Picasso, and I thought this was a great quote. The meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. Bill, did you say read it again? Okay. Um, the meaning of life is to find your gift, and the purpose of life is to give it away. So if we are ignorant about our spiritual gifts, we miss out on the purpose of giving these gifts away. Take a look at these next verses in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. At first, when I read these, Paul had introduced the, the topic of gifts, and then we go right into these verses, and I thought, well, I don't, I don't see how those fit um, to, to the topic. But then I realized, I, after the Lord showed me, I'm going to say, uh, that the very best gift of all is when the Holy Spirit enables us to believe and confess that Jesus is Lord. That is a gift. Knowing that Jesus is Lord opens our eyes to see everything through that lens. And the Holy Spirit is constantly whispering that truth to us again. I mean, in my life, as I'm going through and I think, oh, I have to take care of this, 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 and this. And then I, I remember, wait a minute. Um, there's a little voice I hear that says, Jesus is Lord. 
you're not the Messiah, Kathleen. And, um, and so that's comforting. Or, or I'm, go- I'm thinking about the future, I'm thinking about my finances, or I'm thinking about my living situation, or, or whatever, and I'm like, what am I gonna do, and this and that. And then I'll get this little whisper from the Holy Spirit. Jesus is Lord. And that is a gift. Over and over, I have to hear that in my head. And in this, these verses, it reminds us that the mute idols don't say anything. But the true God speaks to us and through us. I love the simplicity of this one confession. Jesus is Lord. One confession. What if this statement served as the litmus test to unite churches all around the world? Where we just, you know, came together and said, well, do you say Jesus is Lord? Yes, we do. Well, there you go. Notice this doesn't include the spectrum of all our theological views, but it focuses on the core doctrine of who Jesus is. What if we really focus on what brings us together, the central importance? Uh, That's kind of why I wanted you to read the Nicene Creed today, was to remember, oh yeah, all of our church, all the churches, all the people who say Jesus is Lord, uh, come to, we've, we've said these creeds for decades, decade after decade, we've united over these things, and we've made Jesus the rallying point. Look at these next verses with me. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, in everyone, it is the same God at work. See that intentional focal point, we have one God. Same spirit, same Lord, same God. Uh, We just finished an Alpha course here uh, at the church. In fact, um, raise your hand if you've been through Alpha here. Oh yeah, oh yeah, look at all these people. Um, uh, It's a great course, I I had so much fun with it. And after the course was over, I had a chance to host some alpha leaders from that ministry here at the church. And, um, and one of the things I really appreciate about alpha is that it brings together people from all different backgrounds, Catholic, Protestant, charismatic, mainline, you name it, as long as you can agree upon this, uh, the, the simplicity of this confession, Jesus is Lord. And um, same spirit, same God. Uh, we're going to look at the next verses and um, so that I can lean on you all out there and not, you don't just hear my voice the whole time. Um, I, I'd like you guys to, to read, help me read. And Gene said he would um, pop up and read the first um, passage for me. Said, said I didn't have to stand up, but I will. <laughs> now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing that by one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. If you hang on to that, you can pass it to the next lucky person. It's an honor to, have God, to read God's word, so I didn't want to hoard that for myself. Uh, so when you look through these, this passage, it's, um, it's easy to just think, whoa, what are all these gifts? Which ones do I have? And that's a good thing uh, to start thinking about that. All of them might not be familiar to you. I've had it on my mind. Is Zach around here? No, Zach's not here. Uh, he was here. But I've talked to Zach a few different times about, oh, I really want to have a class here at the sanctuary on spiritual gifts. Uh, not to pigeonhole us, but to just explore and find out hmm, what are my gifts and maybe I could understand these and unwrap these with other friends. So I'm hoping that this spring that that desire of mine will come to fruition. So be looking for that class uh, in the next few months. The thing I think is funny 
As I was, th- as I was thinking about these, I, I thought about Christmas time and gifts and things like that. And you know when you buy a gift for kids and you see those dreadful words that say, some assembly required. Uh, I try never to get those because I'm not, I'm not an assembler, but I do feel like with our spiritual gifts, there is some assembly required. And the Lord wants us to know our gifts and cultivate them and put them to good use, even if there's some assembly required. Paul wrote to Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God that is within you. So you can either keep it as a little spark or you can fan it into flame and really see it grow and be used. I know Christmas is supposed to be all about giving and and gratitude, but I will say with the giving of gifts, uh, sometimes it can stir up a spirit of comparison, self-absorption, jealousy, or self-pity. How much did your gifts cost from mom and dad? She got more gifts than I got. I wish I had his gifts instead of what I got. I doubt if I'll use this, maybe I should take it back. I'm sure in your families you never have drama like that, but some families out there do. Some of these thoughts we could just chalk up to immaturity, but I do think there's some real pain that can be connected with gifts. I know I've felt hurt sometimes when people don't see and appreciate and notice or believe in my gifts. Um, I've had days when I have internal grumblings that could be summed up like, huh, I feel kind of ripped off. I think I got the short end of the stick. And then, as soon as I notice this attitude, I compound my self-pity with a nice dose of shame. And I start talking to myself, chiding myself, Kathleen, you're not being grateful. Think of all the people whose life is so much worse than yours. You have so much more than you deserve. Snap out of it. You know, have you ever had things go on in your brain like that? Sometimes I think, oh, what a mess. What a mess goes on in here. And I'm so grateful that God is patient with me and not disgusted with me and some of my thoughts and some of my attitudes. And I'm thankful that God is unthwartably determined to transform me and you and all of us into people that are better than we are right now. And he's willing to do that. That's his gift and his promise to us. And the truth is that none of us is shorted. None of the kids are left out. Verse 11 that Jean read says that the Spirit distributes the gifts to each one, so none of the kids are left out. All the gifts that God's Spirit gives are good, and they are for good. And there's just one distributor, the Holy Spirit. So if you have a problem with your gifts, he's the one you have to take it up with. Wait a minute, I didn't get what I wanted. But he determines, he has a reason for giving the gifts that he gives to the people he gives them to. He passes them out as he sees fit, and they're for the common good. And we might as well use them because we can't take them back. We know that because there's a scripture where Paul writes in Romans, he says, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. There's no receipt, gift receipt, to take them back. They're yours. God wants us to use these gifts because they're for the common good of one body, Christ's body. Um, In fact, well, would someone read these next verses for me? Actually, Jean's going to raise your hand if you'd like the honor of reading these next verses. Oh, hooray, right back here. Thank you. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Thank you. I don't know your name. Brett? Brett? Okay, thanks, Brett. so, have you ever heard people say this? I've heard people say, I really, I love Jesus, I just don't love the church. I've totally heard that. And it's a little bit funny, because that would be like me saying, I love Brian Hastings, but only his head. You know? <laughs> like, 
you know, how weird is that? You know, like, it all goes together. You can't just, you can't just love somebody's head. You, you have to love their body, too. It goes, we're connected. It's ridiculous to say, I love Jesus, I don't love his body. The last topic in Alpha, uh, the, on the last night was about the church and the video teacher Nikki Gumbel pointed out that we don't go to church we are the church since we are the body of Christ we don't merely go to a church building we don't even get to choose we don't get to choose whether we are part of organized religion or not Uh, wherever we go we bring the church because we are the church afterwards we had a discussion in in our in Alpha and Bill Fulton, um, said, why don't we hear this taught more in the churches? He said, this puts church in a whole different light. And I agreed with him. Church isn't a frustrating organization. It's a living organism. And like it or not, we're part of it. So if you don't like the church, uh, well, change yourself. Let the Lord change you. Um, so, uh, Brett is going to pass this uh, microphone to somebody else who's going to read scripture. Who's the next lucky person? Raise your hand. Oh, Ted. Go, Ted. We have to get some girls represented, too, by the way. So, just be thinking about that. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the, in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. 1 Corinthians 12, 15 through 20. Thanks, Ted. Haven't you had times in life when you don't feel like you belong? Raise your, in fact, raise your hand so I don't feel alone. Anybody feel like, what, what? <sighs> I've had times when I don't feel like I belong. In fact, <clears throat> we can tell ourselves, I'm different, so, so I don't really fit in. Who I am and what I offer doesn't really fit. What do I really offer anyway? And that can be something that we, a lie that we tell ourselves. Uh, In fact, over the years, I've felt this many times, that for different reasons that I don't really fit. I have, when I was growing up, I loved Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and I could really relate. I would cry at this movie. I know. Um, You're going, yeah, it doesn't take much, right? Uh, But... But I remember relating to Rudolph and the dentist on the island of misfit toys. Like, oh yeah, you know, uh, you know, it was that little sad self-pitying song, you know, I am nothing but a misfit, you know, <laughs> remember that? Um, but on this, on this island, they felt like they were flawed and they didn't belong. And this passage is telling us, yes, you're different. A hand is different than the eye or the ear. But being different doesn't mean you don't belong. We're one part of a whole. Paul addresses damaging misconceptions at both ends of the spectrum. We can be insecure, like Peter was saying, and isolate because we think we don't, we don't believe we have a gift that fits or matters. But then the next verses show that we can be proudly independent and isolated if we think we have all the gifts so we don't need anybody else. Who's the next awesome reader? I think I'm looking for a woman this time. Yeah, lyric. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. Awesome. See, Paul is correcting us, correcting the thinking that we can drift into, some of the lies that can be whispered into our minds. Uh, He's correcting both ends of the spectrum. He's saying, here's the truth. The truth is we do need each other because no one has all the gifts. 
And we have gifts worth contributing because the Holy Spirit has given important gifts to all the children. When we see that we belong and that we need each other, this connection leads us to one concern, one concern for each other. Part of why we include community prayer requests in the S News, in the S News each week is to notice, are you suffering? Are you honored or rejoicing? A lot of what we're going on, a lot of what I go through, I'm not going to put in a public S News. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Um, I'm not going to mention that publicly, but there are some things we can say. I know we all have unspoken longings, the longing to belong, the longing to feel needed. Uh, but this gift of one concern is when we begin to tune in to the other parts of Christ's body because we're connected to each other. The more we feel like we're really together, the more we're tuned in and we can notice things. We can see things maybe um, that others don't see as far as, hmm, maybe you're hurting. Maybe, oh, you look excited today. You know, just tuning in because we have this one concern that is growing. The more, the more connected we feel, the more tuned in and more we have this one concern that grows in us. In fact, I've watched you all. It's beautiful t for me to see your concern in action. Uh, Mindy Decker, some of you might know, uh, I was touched around Thanksgiving because she uh, posted something on Facebook that said that she invited anybody who didn't have a place to go at Thanksgiving to come to her place. Because she knows, I, I live by, I'm a single person, and she knows that holidays um, can sometimes be a drag when you, when you don't have family or you don't have somebody else to be connected to. Recently, um, Fuzzy, advised me to let people give and help in the ways that they can, regardless of their limitations, because everybody wants to feel wanted and needed. I started thinking, as I was thinking about watching your concern and action around me, um, I started thinking about a, a really old song by Twyla Paris. Um, I don't know if any of you are old enough in the church to remember the Twyla Paris songs, but one, a beautiful song that she wrote was called How Beautiful, and it's really about the body of Christ. Some of the lyrics say, how beautiful the hands that serve the wine and the bread and the sons of the earth. How beautiful, how beautiful, how beautiful is the body of Christ. And when it's working with that one concern, the way it's intended to work, it really is beautiful. And that is what we're part of. That's the gift. That's one of our gifts, is being part of that. We're gonna look at the next little passage and some other wonderful person is gonna read this next little passage. Who's up? Who's up for reading? Yes, Robbie. Make a run for it, Larry. Go, go, go. <laughs> Thanks, Robbie. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? 1 Corinthians 12, 27 to 30. Thank you. And now we've come to this lovely, to, to one, uh, one purpose, one confession, one God, one distributor, one body, one part, one concern, and now one string of rhetorical questions. You know, perhaps you're wondering, did she really think this was important to share? How long will she go on like this? What could possibly be her point? Does she have the spiritual gift of rhetorical questions? Is she truly profound or shamelessly ridiculous? I leave you to sort out these questions on your own. Um, <laughs> however, the unspoken response to Paul's rhetorical questions here is no. None of us has all the gifts. And that's intentional. We are forced to need each other, to move together. 
spiritual gifts can be so natural to us that we can assume that everyone can do what we can do. In fact, uh, growing up, uh, my mom and dad, it was funny to watch, my mom has strong gifts of, of evangelism and faith. I mean, my mom, she couldn't go anywhere without talking to somebody about Jesus. She would talk to people in public bathrooms. She would, us kids sometimes were like, oh, oh, mom. Um, she had, and she also had this strong gift of faith. To this day, this woman doesn't worry about anything. She doesn't worry. She just has this faith. Well, God's going to work it out. And it kills me, you know, because I worry about stuff. Um, and I remember, and my dad, my dad has strong gifts of leadership and administration. He's always been in management. He always, he can walk into a situation and he can see, oh, this is what needs to be done. And he can organize and he can lead and he can make things happen. And what I think is funny is my mom used to look at my dad and think, huh, why don't you tell everybody about Jesus like I do? And, um, you know, why do, why do you worry so much? And my dad would look at my mom and say, oh, geez, you know, could you make a decision? Why are you so disorganized? But that's because they each thought that the others should have what they had naturally from the Holy Spirit. And over the years, as they grew and in their marriage and got to understand things more deeply, they both realized, oh, it's because we need each other. And because we're intentionally different, we're intentionally supposed to fill in what the other one lacks. And I thought that's, I think that's beautiful. The, the beautiful thing about it is that knowing this um, can lift some guilt off of me. Instead of saying, you know, boy, I sure wish that I could be like rich breed, you know, um, and do what he can do. Look at that shop he has. He's amazing. He can make things. He can, I mean, instead of doing that, I can just appreciate and say, wow, that's a, that's a beautiful gift that he has. And look from a distance, but not feel like I have to have the same thing that he has or anybody else. So we don't have to have guilt. We don't have to have comparison. But we can ask for one more. Uh, the, toward the end of this chapter, it says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. We're allowed to ask for more gifts. In fact, we're told to eagerly desire greater gifts. So there's nothing wrong with that. Um, in fact, I went through a, a season where uh, people had told me, uh, you really need the gift of tongues. And I thought, well, I'd like to have the gift of tongues. I think, I think I'll ask for that. And so I asked for it and didn't get it. And so then I had a different people in different settings and different ways pray for me and give me ideas for how to sort of, um, like you know how you rev up a lawnmower, the old lawnmowers, you know, just kind of get it going, the motor and stuff like that. And they're like, okay, you can do this. So I was like, all right, here I go. And I didn't get it. I didn't get that gift of tongues. And I was like, well, Lord, maybe you need to hear it from this different way. And I tried a few different ways over, over time. But eventually, and this happened like over a, quite a while, I really felt like God was telling me, I don't say this lightly, I felt like the Lord put something in my mind where he was saying, use the gifts I have given you. And I... For some reason, that completely satisfied me. I thought, well, I do have some gifts that you've given me. I can use those. I'll just plug those in, and, and if you still want to give me the gift of tongues at a later point, I'll take it. But if you don't, I'm not going to worry about it because I'll just focus on the ones that I have, try to plug those in, try to make some good out of them. So it can be fun to, um, to take a spiritual gifts test to see what our gifts might be. But I also think that it's, as I've gotten older, I've started to think that the, maybe the spiritual gifts are a little bit fluid. I believe that God equips us to do what he calls us to do. That he equips us to do what he calls us to do. So that means that that might change over different seasons of our life. Sometimes during one season, I'll use some of these gifts more. And other seasons, I'll use something over here out of this part of the tool belt a little more. 
And other times the Lord will surprise me and just throw out a gift for, for just that moment, for that instant um, that he wants me to have. Um, I believe that it's sort of, it reminds me of how when I was younger I thought, well Jesus saved me at this time, uh, at this one time. But as I've gotten older I thought, well actually he saved me over and over, he keeps saving me and saving me because I constantly need to be saved. And I think it's a little bit like that with the Holy Spirit. He does give us gifts at a certain point, but I also think he continues to give gifts. I think it's sort of an ongoing thing. And I think that the more I believe that I am fully equipped for every good work, whatever comes along, that the Holy Spirit will equip me for that and give me the gifts that I need. When I believe that, I can just relax and enjoy the adventure. So, <clears throat> there's a variety of gifts to use. I hope I'm getting you excited about that. Getting you excited to say, ooh, what are my gifts? Am I using them? There's a lot of different gifts. There's a tool belt that you can, you know, with all these gifts you can keep um, and use and pull out when you need them. But there's only one way to use the gifts. At the very end of this chapter, the last verse is a little bit of a cliffhanger. It says, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. And of course, what is that one way? Love, yeah, oh, that was such an easy one. I'm glad you guys, th thanks for yelling that out. Um, the, that's, you can pretty much yell out Jesus or love and mostly be right in these situations. But this is important. It's so important that the next chapter is completely devoted Paul, to Paul saying, it doesn't matter what gift you have. It matters how you use it. In fact, it says, well, you know 1 Corinthians 13 because you've heard it all at, at weddings over and over and over. Uh, so you, you probably love is this and this and this. Um, but the whole chapter is all about this idea that it, you might have all kinds of flashy gifts, but if you have them and you don't have love, you have nothing. You are nothing. You're just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal, all noise, no substance. Love is the most excellent, the one and only way. Speaking of the one and only, speaking of the one way, Peter referenced earlier, uh, something that brought me to tears as I was thinking about this, is I was thinking that all the gifts, all the gifts are found under the tree, not this tree, this tree. And I was thinking um, that when Jesus was hanging on this tree, bearing our sin in the midst of physical, emotional, and spiritual suffering beyond our comprehension, do you know what he was doing? He was giving. He was giving gifts, even while he was dying. As Jesus was pouring out his blood, he was pouring out gifts. Still, I've seen Lots and lots of people die when I was a, a chaplain with, a, with hospice. And usually when people die, it's, you kind of, it, you aren't usually thinking about other people. You usually close in and you're thinking about, I'm trying to breathe, I'm trying to just, it, you're focusing on yourself understandably, but not Jesus. When he was dying, I mean, it's beautiful, I started thinking about this, the string of people that he touched as he was dying. He's walking along, barely able to walk, carrying his cross. Simon the Cyrenian um, was commandeered to carry his cross for him. And somehow Jesus, as he was there, gave him the gift of faith and salvation that even carried on to his sons, Alexander and Rufus, who became uh, part of the, the first century church. He gave a gift to Simon. And then um, to Mary and John. Mary and John both are at the foot of the cross looking up in agony um, at their Lord. And, and Jesus, um, with effort, said, woman, behold your son. And then to John, behold your mother. So he gave them this comforting gift of intimate family relationship. 
And then the thief on the cross next to Jesus who turned to him, um, he, he gave him hope and promise of eternal life. He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And then the, just as he was breathing his last breath, the Roman centurion down at the bottom, he gave him the gift of faith. The, this Roman centurion said, this must be, surely this was a righteous man. And Matthew records that when Jesus shouted and gave up his spirit, that lots of people came to life, came out of their graves. We, we don't talk about that at Easter very often. This is, a, this is a great Easter angle. Listen to what Matthew writes. He says, the earth shook, the rocks split, the tombs broke open, the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city, and appeared to many people. Can you imagine being part of the family and all of a sudden, you know, somebody who has died, somebody whose funeral you went to, comes knocking back at the door saying, uh, I don't know, <laughs> I'm, I'm back. <laughs> these, these are the gifts that Jesus was giving as he was dying. In the wake of Jesus' death, he surprised people with life. He's still doing that. And when Jesus said, look down, and he, he said compassionately, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's for all of us. He was giving all of us sinners the gift of forgiveness. I feel like if I look at this too long, like if I look at all these gifts, it's sort of like looking straight into the sun. You know, like you can only do it just for a second because it's so bright. It's so bright, it hurts your eyes. And if you look into this for too long and you see, wow, he was giving and giving and giving and still giving, even as his body was broken and his blood was shed. It'll hurt your eyes. It's blinding. The, the love and the giving and the grace. And so that's the picture I wanted to paint for you today. I hope it reminds you, oh yes, oh yes. That's beautiful. He's beautiful. And as you come and, and drink that in today, drink in that love, it's for you. He's still giving. Come and receive his life his body. The dark cups are wine. The light cups are juice. Tear off a piece of bread and dip it in one of the cups and um, drink in. up with that hymn and and those words just stay with me his love has no limits his grace has no measure his power has no boundary known unto men for out of his infinite riches in Jesus he giveth and giveth and giveth again that's Christmas and that's the gospel drink that in this season Lord bless you.